Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Franchise Euphoria. Josh Brown here. Today's episode is brought to you by Franchise 5. Why Franchise 5? I'm glad you asked. Growing your franchise in a slow, deliberate, and thoughtful manner is a smart way to grow. Franchise 5 helps you do this by expanding five locations at a time with a zen-like focus on the geographic locations that make sense for your growth. To learn more about this, go to FranchiseEuphoria.com forward slash Franchise 5. That's the number five. So FranchiseEuphoria.com forward slash Franchise 5. Now to today's episode. So I am super excited today to be interviewing Bonnie McKelly and Tracy Romer of Shred 415. Bonnie and Tracy met as young moms in the hustle and bustle city of Chicago during a play date in their neighborhood alley, which is where kids go to play in Chicago. The two began reminiscing on the past and their fitness hobbies. Frustrated between being a busy parent and the lack of sweat-worthy boutique fitness options that cater to their needs, the duo put together their 25 combined years of fitness experience and began mapping out a vision that combined all elements of a dynamic, effective workout. And one of the things that you'll find as part of this interview that I, I think you'll really enjoy is that there's an energy that Bonnie and Tracy bring, and you can re- really tell that there's a synergy um, between the two of them. I mean, they, they came up with this concept and rather than talking about it for eight months, a year, two years, I mean, they launched this thing and, um, they grew and they learned along the way. And so you'll hear about how that was for them. Some of the ups, some of the downs, some of the challenges. And then as they made their transition in to the franchise model, uh, it's interesting for me too because they have a corporate location in Carmel, Indiana that uh, I'm actually a member of, and so I really enjoy their fitness model. So, without further ado, here's Bonnie and Tracy from Shred Four Fifteen. Hello, Bonnie, Tracy. Welcome to Franchise Euphoria. How you doing? Great. We're happy to be here. Well, I'm happy to have you. You guys are the founders of Shred 415, which as we discussed a little bit off air, I'm a member of. I've utilized your uh, fitness facility. Love it. So I'm really excited to have you guys on and, and share your story and share how this whole thing came together. Because from the looks of it, it looks like you guys are expanding uh, fairly rapidly now through a franchise concept. And I know we'll touch on we'll touch on all of that. But tell us real quick sort of your initial story, how you guys met and how you came up with this concept? Uh, This is Tracy. So Bonnie and I met back in uh, 2008. And um, we actually met at Starbucks um, in line at a uh, local grocery store by our house. Um, I was pregnant with my second child and I was praying it was going to be a boy. And um, I was in line and Bonnie was in front of me with her son. And I was looking for unique boy names or awesome boy names. And she was holding her son Fletcher. And um, I just started chatting her up because I wanted to know what her son's name was. Um, And that's honestly how we met. And um, unbeknownst to both of us, we actually we're neighbors. Um, we had just moved into a new development, um, literally less than a half mile from the grocery store. And I went home and told my husband that I found a great boy's name that we were going to name our son. And um, I walked out the front door literally like an hour later and I saw Bonnie driving into the development. And I said, oh, well, there goes that. I'm not going to be able to name my son Fletcher. Um, I ended up having another girl. I have three girls now, but um, that's kind of how we met. 
Yeah. So um, here in Chicago, you know, you're the kids play in the alleys. So Tracy and I, um, that's where they, that's the only place they can play. And so Tracy and I became fast friends and Tracy had been in the fitness industry a long time. And, um, I was just entering the fitness industry. I started teaching at a local bar studio and we always talked about what Chicago was lacking. Well, first of all, I just have to say this girl's rule. I have three daughters myself. I have three daughters. So that's first and foremost, but, um, no, that's fantastic. It's just funny, isn't it? How, you know, at the strangest times when you least expect it, you might meet your business partner or you might come up with that concept. So talk to me about how you got, you guys are sitting there, your kids are playing in the alley together. You both have a lot of fitness experience. How do you then start talking about a concept that would eventually become shred 415? So it was around 2010 and Chicago is saturated with bar, yoga, Pilates. There was nothing um, in Chicago such as treadmills and strength. And um, Tracy had been to a studio in LA where that existed. And I had just heard about a different studio in LA. And um, we couldn't believe that something so simple as treadmills that had been around forever and functional movement people have been doing for years and will continue to do didn't exist. And um, we put our heads together and said, let's do this. And we opened up eight months later in April, 2011. Right. I was um, really not motivated after having three kids and working full time to get back into the gym and work out the way that I did prior to marriage and children. And I wanted something that got me up out of bed every day um, that I wanted to do, that I was super excited about. And what was going on in Chicago at the time wasn't exciting me. Well, and it's fascinating because, you know, the, obviously fitness concepts they're all over the place. I mean, I know even in my, you know, in my practice, I I have a number of fitness clients, right? And there, there's all sorts of different ways to do it. I'm curious how you guys decided on doing it with, and, and I don't know the specific method you call it, but but essentially, you know, you spend a certain amount of time on on the treadmills and then a certain amount of time on the floor. How, how did you come up with that with that concept? Um, we knew we wanted it to be a 60-minute class and Shred 415. It's four 15-minute intervals. That's how we came up with the name. Um, so it's high-intensity interval training. And both Tracy and I enjoy running, but not for a long period of time. So we liked that it was short bursts of pushing and then, you know, with the recovery with that. So we felt like 30 minutes on the treadmill was too much. Five minutes on the treadmill was too short. So we liked the idea of having 15-minute intervals and then going on the floor and, you know, having functional movement on the floor and then throwing in a cardio burst. Um, but we really liked the whole high intensity interval, um, concept because, you know, as soon as we opened our doors in April, 2011, we had a client, actually, she was in my class today, seven and a half years later, but, um, we had a client after four weeks, she'd bring her three boys in, we had a kid's room. She'd bring her three boys in, um, and she was taking class three days a week and she lost 12 pounds within four weeks. And that's, that's what made Shred so special is, um, not only were we building this community, but we also were, we're having people come in seeing amazing results. Well, there's no, I mean, there's no doubt about that. I mean, I'm, I'm a, I'm a member of Shred 415. It's, it's, it's on hold right now because of, of a silly injury that I got, but I can tell you that it is intense. And the interesting thing about it uh, is that, you know, you, you're not forced to go at a certain intensity level. You know, you can pick and choose your intensity level, but what I appreciate is that you're in with a group of people and it's in an environment and with the music going and the air conditioning and the fans and all that kind of stuff, you want to push yourself. So was that part of the design when you guys came up with the concept? 
Yes, we wanted everyone to feel included. We didn't want people to walk through the doors and um, feel intimidated by what we were asking clients to do. So we always wanted to allow clients to go at their own pace, give modifications. So maybe if you do have a slight injury and you're not able to use your shoulder as much, we can give you another movement or you can use the deck as opposed to going down on the floor for push-ups. So that was our intent. We really wanted the most effective, efficient workout um, out there to be given to our clients. You know, a lot of times Bonnie and I would hear our friends say they would spend, you know, an hour and a half at the gym every day going back and forth between, you know, cardio to doing weights. And when they were on the floor doing weights, they really didn't know what they were doing and they felt awkward and they felt almost like embarrassed. They would do a couple of bicep curls or like, oh, I don't know if I'm doing that quite right. You know, maybe I'll stop. Maybe I'll go try something else, right? So we wanted to take that hour and a half or two hour workout away from people and just say, you know what, you can get a 100% awesome workout within 60 minutes. Yeah, I mean, who has time to do an hour and a half, two hour workout every day? Nobody. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That was exactly right. So, it, so you guys put this together really fast. It sounds like. I mean, over. I think you said an eight month period of time. Is that right? Yeah. Talk about that process. Like, walk walk me through what was that like? Because of course, at that time, you're balancing family as well. Mm-hmm. Did you did you both have another job at that point? I'm gonna assume, or or what was the on the professional side of things? Were you working elsewhere? We both were working elsewhere. Um, it was, yeah, Bonnie can tell you a little bit on the inside of how we were. And we lived in a community where it was almost like a fishbowl. Um, so we didn't want people to know exactly what we were doing. So Bonnie can fill you in on that. <laughs> when we first um, had our first meeting, we went about 20 minutes away to a totally different part of town. A different coffee shop. <laughs> a different coffee shop. Uh, I don't think she and I have ever been there since because it's so <laughs> out of our way. Um, and Tracy was working full-time at a different gym. So we would meet at at Starbucks, a different Starbucks near where she worked. And she'd be like, I have 10 minutes. And then 11 minutes in, she'd be like, I got to go. And she would leave. Um, it was really, it was really crazy. But, you know, I think you never know when you partner with someone. I mean, we were neighbors, we were good friends, but you just never know how it's going to work. And it just worked for us. We both had the same vision. We both knew, believed in this concept, believed that it was going to be successful and wanted to grow it. Um, so I think because we all, we both had the same vision and both working hard towards that goal, we just never looked back and we're both doers. So when we put our mind to something, we get stuff done. And if we don't know how to do something, we rely on help and support from others. Well, that's a perfect segue because I was just thinking to myself, you know, the, the makings of a great partnership, regardless of what business you have is you have to be very complimentary towards one another. And sometimes, you know, while there are certainly synergies and similarities, I mean, oftentimes some of the best partnerships are when, you know, your weaknesses is the other partner's strength and vice versa. Do, do you find that in your partnership, you experience that where, you know, may, maybe Tracy's strong in one area and Bonnie's strong in another. Um, and so it just sort of works together. Yep, <laughs> for sure. Tracy definitely has an eye for detail. I walk into a studio, I'm like, "Let's great." Tracy's like, "The fans aren't cleaned. This light's in a wrong place." Like she notices everything, and I have no clue. That's that's exactly that's great. What about in the in the day to day management of the business? Talk about the different roles that you guys had at the start, and sort of what that's evolved into. 
Yeah, Bonnie does a lot of um, the business side, so finances, forecasting, uh, the P&L. And again, we kind of fell into this not really knowing what each other's strengths were. Um, Maybe that was good and bad. (laughs) Um, So I think because we're more mature in our ages, we were able to just let one person take one thing and the other person take the other. So I think we noticed that early on, Bonnie took on the role of like the financial officer, and then I kind of took on operations. Um, Now, our our staff, our staff has grown, and we can talk a little bit about that, but our staff has grown in, in a way that everyone recognizes what our strengths are. Maybe they tell us what our strengths and weaknesses are. (laughs) Well, no, I mean, I think that that's great. And I know like, obviously for the listeners here, I mean, there's going to be a lot of people who are, you know, in a boat where they're either looking to turn their business into a franchise or they already have, and perhaps they're in partnerships or not. So I think it's very, I think it's really interesting and instructive, you know, to talk about, you know, those, those earlier days. I mean, this concept really was created in what 2011 I believe yes yes okay so so you're seven eight years in so it's still a younger concept but I think last I checked on your website uh, with locations that are soon to be open combined with the locations you already have you're at like 17 or 18 is that right yes that's correct so how do you I mean that's pretty fast guys I mean that's, that's, that's pretty awesome uh, it's not every day that that happens um, but how do you, at the outset, you had this idea, you had this vision, you obviously came up with a particular kind of fitness program. Then what did you, I mean, how did you get the money? How did you, did you, did you have investors? Did you guys really kind of just scrap along the way or, or, or how did this thing actually turn from idea into actual concept for the first location? We had no investors for, um, for actually any of it, we we pulled our money together and opened our first one. And then six months in, after opening the first studio, we had 100% utilization. We could not add another class to our schedule. Uh, we had wait list beyond what anybody could actually imagine. And we recognized we needed to open up another studio. So we literally went two miles away from our first studio because strategically we wanted to have a place for our overflow for our wait list. So it wasn't too far for them to drive, but we also wanted to capture another, another community, another neighborhood and another demographic. So that worked out to our benefit. We opened number two and then we decided that we wanted to go um, to the North shore of Chicago because we realized that we were having over 200 North shore clients driving into the city to take our class. So we wanted to try a suburb. So that was the next step. And again, we basically just continued to take our revenues and open up our studios. Yeah, so just reinvesting in the business. Were you guys teaching all the classes at that time or had you started to bring on people? No, you know, one thing when Tracy and I opened, um, you know, she had worked in several gyms, big box gyms, and I'd worked in a boutique fitness studio. And one thing we recognized is that we didn't want to teach all the classes. We wanted amazing instructors that were just as good as us, um, that people wanted to take their class too. So we've always only taught between five and six classes a week. And we still, to this day, do the same. And then were you guys completely aligned in your growth strategy or has that kind of evolved over time? Yeah, we, no, yeah, we were completely yeah. aligned. It, again, I, you know, this kind of took on its own 
I guess, own mind, you know, it kind of took off and we kind of looked at each other and recognized that, you know, we have one opportunity and the opportunity is now and we've got to do this. At what point did you guys leave your jobs, your other jobs and focus on this full time? Oh, we left. I left my other job literally, I think, two weeks. <laughs> I gave my two week notice. And, I think it was um, like two days. Two before, days <laughs> before Are you going. serious? Yes. Yes. My other job, it was it was hard to leave. They didn't want me to leave, obviously. And I, I didn't want to tell them what I was doing. Um, and so I stayed as long. I gave my notice. They asked me to stay on until the very end. And so I left and we opened up Shred two days later. And Bonnie left her job. Yeah, months before. Months before. Yeah. And so did you guys pre-sell memberships at that time or was that – because one of the things that's interesting and I love about these kinds of concepts and, and sort of – especially in the fitness industries, I think one of the strategies is that you pre-sell these memberships before you open, right? Right. Okay. So has that always been a strategy of yours? So that, did you do that for your first location so that you knew when you opened the door you were going to have X number of members right off the right off the bat? That would have been really smart. <laughs> <laughs> Um, No, we did not. Uh, We opened the door with zero members. We opened the door with a free weekend and it was awesome. We had, you know, people coming in, classes full, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And I think we probably sold 50 yeah. 50 packages yeah, 50 because months, we were yeah. giving away um, like gift with purchase. And uh, we opened up Monday morning. And we're like, this is going to be amazing. <laughs> and nobody shows up. The whole day. Uh, no, just to the 6 a.m. We had a couple people in each of the other classes, but it was few and far between. And we were like, oh, no. Wait, what just happened? We're like, everybody surely wants to work out how we want to work out. Where is everyone? So. There was, I mean, the first three months, it was really, really hard. I mean, we looked at each other. We couldn't pay ourselves. It was, um, it was, this has to work. We have no plan B. We only have a plan A and (laughs) we are going to make this work. So what did you guys, I mean, because it's easy now, right? You look back and you're like, okay, we persevered through all that. But at that time, I mean, I know, and and I know people who are listening know that that's a struggle. I mean, you're sitting there, you, you, you already had questions about it, I'm sure along the way, like, is this going to work? What happens if it doesn't work? And now you open up and it's not working exactly (laughs) like you think it's going to work. A, what kept you going? And B, what were some of the tweaks along the way? Um, I think what kept us going is even though um, people were just trickling into these early classes um, in the beginning, we were getting a lot of press. Like there was a lot of online press about us because it was like the first time Chicago had seen a studio like this and it only existed in LA. So we were getting a lot of press and um, about a month in Daily Candy, which at the time was everything. It was an online blog that blasted out nationally. And there was a blurb just about us on a national level, probably six weeks into us opening. And we were like, oh my God, this is amazing. So we were starting to get a lot of press. And then we ran a Guild City. And the second we ran that Guild City, Um, we had so many people in our door. And again, like I mentioned, the girl who was coming early on four weeks in who lost all that weight, that's what started happening is all of these, you know, a lot of them were moms that were coming and bringing their kids and they were seeing such incredible results. So the word started to spread rampantly and people were like, I want to look like her. I want to go try that. And um, so I think that's really kind of what kept us going. Well, and then you you obviously, it sounds like for, in that first location, you waited as long as you possibly could until literally you couldn't, you had, you had no capacity left. So you either had to turn people away 
or open up another location, which you did a couple miles down the road. Did you do the same, implement the same philosophy at that second location before you decided on a third location? Um, yeah, well, when we opened the second location, we opened with wait lists immediately. Um, I'm sure we pre-sailed. We probably had a grand opening month that we did before that we carried on, um, for the next, you know, eight studios. Um, but yeah, we, and even when we opened our North Shore location, we opened with wait lists. So word was out. And so we didn't have an issue opening these studios anymore. So then let's talk about, cause I know we'd mentioned this a few minutes back. Let's talk about what it was like for, for you guys to bring on employees and also people to teach the classes. But before we do, let me ask you, have, have either one of you before getting into this business, you know, owned another business where you had to manage people or were in a management role? I was in a management role. I managed um, fitness centers. So I was, but I never had owned my own business prior to this. So what was that like for you? I mean, because th- these are, this is a transient population, right? I mean, you yes. know, when you get employees in there, you, you got to count on the fact that it's going to be the rare person who's who's there for a long time. Maybe they're there over the summer, then back to college. I mean, you know, I don't know what the strategy was, but what was your, what was your strategy in bringing people on and, and dealing with the turnover that you probably knew was going to happen? Well, when we hired our first set of instructors, we literally ran a Craigslist ad and (laughs) we got, I mean, people from all over. Um, It was probably got some interesting people applying. We sure did. Good playlists. (laughs) There's some interesting playlists in there (laughs) they were using. Um, It's fascinating to watch that (laughs) unfold and people that really didn't even have any fitness experience at all and um, maybe thought they could just become an instructor. So we, I think brought on maybe one person from that Craigslist app one. Yep. and he's still with us and he is a fan favorite. His name is Fadil and um, he actually bought three franchises. Um, so he's moving on. Uh, but yes, we were super um, lucky or maybe it was just our strategy and how we hired, but everyone that we've hired as an instructor is still working for us today. Really? If they have it away. Yes. In those early In days. Early days. Yes. yes. Yeah. That's amazing. Those, yeah. We called us the Fab Five. The five of us, yeah, are, are still around. Yeah. And the one that moved, whenever he comes to town, he's hanging out in the office <laughs> and trying to see our kids. And yeah. Well, that tells me you guys treat people right. I mean, because you got to treat people right to keep them to keep them staying. Who who was working? It sounds like just from talking to you that it was probably Bonnie who was working more on um, fine tuning the systems of your business as you were expanding, or were you both kind of doing it together? We were both doing it together. Um, yes, we definitely were. Even though I was doing a lot of the financial and payroll stuff. I mean, uh, Tracy and I, I mean, we share an office. Our offices <laughs> were in the same room. We, we were in the same room, you know, when we were managing downstairs at our Lincoln Park location. And, and we continue to be in the same room and continue to make decisions together. And how many locations did you expand to before you started thinking about franchising? So we had opened up our ninth studio um, right before we launched franchises? Yeah. It's right before we launched. So um, we had eight studios open and we never thought we would franchise. Um, Tracy and I just thought that that was something we were so worried about it ruining our brand. And it's just, it's something where we thought we would stay um, corporately owned. And, you know, what ended up happening is we were getting emails on a daily basis from people that wanted us to open in their area. And we just couldn't open fast enough. We wanted to get these studios open. Um, So we were approached to think about franchising and it was really at the right time. And we said, let's do this. So how's that been for you? 
it's been a roller coaster. It really has. It's um, up and down with emotions and it's stressful at times and then super easy at times. But uh, we haven't looked back since we launched and we're really excited about um, our growth and the next phase of our business. So in terms of the ups and downs, are you talking about being okay with the decision to franchise or after you decided to franchise, going through that process of turning your business in? To a franchise going through the process we were all okay with once we decided that that's what we wanted to do um we were let's move forward this is going to be amazing and we're going to grow the way that we want to grow you know the fitness landscape has completely changed since we opened our doors in 2011 there are so many more boutique fitness studios out there and there's so much more competition and for us to make a name for ourselves and become that national brand that we've always wanted to be we had to franchise in our minds was the way that we were going to build our brand and once we decided to move forward it's just the process of franchising and bringing on franchisees yeah so tell me about if you can if you're if you're comfortable sharing i mean what was the biggest headache you had working through turning your business into a franchise um i think it's just a different focus so we're you know we deal with managers and um and then now we're dealing with franchisees who are actually putting their own money into this, right? So they have a lot more skin in the game than our managers do. And it's just handling their emotions and they're fearful. And I mean, Tracy and I know it. We were in that position in 2011 and we get where they're coming from, right? So um, it's the nice thing is about um, the franchisees that have come on so far is I'd say 90% of them that have bought were some way connected to Shred. They were could have been an instructor, a shredder. Um, or connected to somebody that teaches for us. And so that part of it's been awesome because they're all so vested in Shred and understand the culture and, and want to see it succeed just like we do. It's just sort of um, helping everyone manage expectations of how you know real estate's going to work, how construction's going to work, and all the different bumps in the road that you're going to have with opening a studio and us having that knowledge and having to convey that knowledge to everyone else. And just as silly as our, our logo, right? As we grew nationally, we recognized that we were going to have to change our logo. And um, we had to refine it a bit and make it a little bit more masculine. Um, so we were super attached to our logo. So it was really hard for us to see the logo change. But it was it was um, interesting to see how our franchisees, who had been shredders, reacted to the logo change. I mean, they were almost more attached to the logo than we were. And I had to like, you know, talk them off the ledge a little bit. Really? <laughs> yes. Well, so you guys are obviously you're, you're registered as a franchise in, in Illinois. Um, are you registered in Indiana? I mean, you have a corporate store here, but are you registered to sell franchises in Indiana? No. So we are not um, selling in Chicagoland in Indianapolis or um, St. Louis, where we currently have corporate studios. Um, we're probably registered to sell, but we are not actively seeking oh, okay. franchises in those cities. Now, when you talk about outside the cities, you know, in different parts of Indiana, sure. Uh, but not within Indianapolis. We're going to keep those company owned. You're going to keep those company owned. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. Interesting. Well, I mean, I think it's always, it's always fascinating because, you know, I spend a lot of time talking with people on the pros and cons of franchising. You know, do you want to do you want to expand corporately? Do you want to expand, you know, from a franchise perspective? And there's not a right or wrong answer. Um, but, you know, it's always fascinating for me to hear from somebody who's gone through it. And in this case, when did you guys finalize the franchise uh, model and the registration? It, it was pretty recent, wasn't it? It was July 
um, last July. Yeah, July 2017. Okay. Yeah, so fairly recent. So what is your what has been your strategy um, in outside of obviously it sounds like you're growing from within, which is which is really a great way to do it. There's a um, there's a great coffee place that started out in in Oregon called uh, Dutch Brothers. Are you, I don't know if you're familiar with them. No. Uh, they will only sell franchises to their employees who work in one of their stores and work there for a period of three years. And it basically gives these people an opportunity uh, to create something more. Uh, they can become a, a, a franchise. They can become a business owner. And Dutch Bros has now expanded to, I think, over 400 locations, all from within, from people wow. who, That's who work there. Yeah, it's a really interesting way to do it. Um, but oftentimes you find with with franchisors, they're just scrambling to, like, open up more locations, which – you know, to, to me, it's not advisable unless you have a strategy around it. Are you guys focusing geographically on areas around the Midwest or what is your strategy at, at, at this point to the extent you want to share it? No, we um, we're open to opening up anywhere across the country. So, um, you know, we're opening up one in San Ramon, California, near San Francisco in January. We have another one opening in Virginia um, this winter as well. Um, and then we have some all over the Midwest, you know, in Denver and Columbus, Ohio, um, Memphis, Milwaukee. So we're really opening up, um, and selling franchises all over the country. And then before we, before we end the interview, you guys have been great to talk to. Um, tell me what's been the best thing about this whole process thus far. If you could, if you could sum it up to, to, to when you, when you had the idea to now, you know, the dream is starting to be realized and you're growing this thing and it's it's probably growing faster than you even thought. What's been the best thing about this experience? I think um, back to that coffee shop with the Dutch Brothers is giving our employees opportunity to grow. So even if they're not buying franchises, they're growing with the company and we're giving them new excitement every day. And I think that's the most exciting. Yeah, Definitely. Well, you guys can, anybody who's interested can go to shred415.com um, or shred415.com, which is more appropriate, right? Right, guys? Um, <laughs> or if they want to learn about Bonnie and Tracy, you can go to bonnieandtracy.com and uh, you guys can be found all over social media. I just want to tell you guys, thank you so much for coming on. I love to hear stories about people who have, have these ideas and then actually take the idea and turn it into a viable model and then grow. So you guys are tremendous. You got a great energy about you. And, and I can tell you, being a member of Shred 415, I've always been impressed. I mean, I, I've only been to the Carmel location, but I've always been impressed by the onboarding process and the enthusiasm of the people that you have working there. So whatever you're putting in that water there, I don't know. It seems to be working. Oh, thank you so, so much. Sweet. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks for coming on and, and, and best of luck to you in the future. Thank you. Thanks for being with us today on the Franchise Euphoria podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to go to iTunes and provide a review. Also, please remember that although Josh Brown is a licensed and practicing attorney, nothing contained in this podcast should be construed as legal advice, because it is not. The information contained in this podcast is general and educational in nature, and none of it should be relied upon as legal advice. That being said, if you have questions for Josh and would like to contact him, please email him at josh at franchiseuphoria.com. 
Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you tune in to our next weekly episode. Thank you.